Hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast. I'm Anand. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek. And you're listening to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior. Lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hey guys, welcome to the Y Coordinate. Hi Akshita, how are you? Hi Anag, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. How's your week been? Uh, it's been quite fine. It's uh, very not eventful at all. Just sitting at home. working sleeping quite a bit um, yeah that's basically how is my how my entire week's been now yeah. what about you that's nice uh, yeah my week's been pretty much the same uh, so last night at like 2 or 3 am i could not uh, sleep and i picked up so my sister was cleaning up the library and she had like this whole set of books out so i picked up a random james bond novel and i started reading it i finally rediscovered the joy of you know reading a hard bound book soft bound book uh, <laughs> with like it's and then reading just you know fiction for the joy of it so that was nice that's nice i think that's like the perfect uh, way to start off our podcast today and our topic for today yeah. um yeah so i think we can go ahead and introduce our guest for today kevin would you like to go ahead we have kevin lee today and you can go ahead so Thanks, uh, Akshita, and inviting podcast. So our topic is why is reading such an important habit to develop, and we'll get into it in a little bit. But just some background information about me: I was born in northeast of China in a city called Harbin. For many people that may not be very familiar, it's kind of like a second tier. In, um, but what's known about my city is that you know how in Ontario we have this reputation of winter being very cold, like someday twenty, but in Harbin. For a two solid months, the temperature is like a high of twenty three degrees. It's like every day, it's it's literally like being in the North Pole. And I went to elementary school there, so I remember during recess when we were kids, we'd always be made to do laps around the school, right? So think about it: minus thirty outside. I'm wearing like three layers of pants, and you're essentially running just on pure ice, right? So that's where I'm from, and um, I guess what our city is also known for is the beer. So Anag, you mentioned the other time I think on Discord, um, how you like to drink Singdao with with Fuji Fei Pian, right? So, it, you know, if you ask a Chinese person what's the most famous beer in China, they might say Singdao. But I would I would take Harbin beer any day of the week over Singdao. I just think it's a better beer. So that's that's what our city is known for. Um, but I moved to Canada when I was uh, when I was about to go to high school with my family, and we first stayed in Vancouver. Then after high school, I came to Waterloo. Uh, to do my undergrad, and after I graduated, um, I started to work in student affairs. And then after a couple of years, uh, I stopped and I went to work as a content translator for Magic Television. It was kind of a fun job. Uh, what I ended up doing was essentially taking players and coaches' interviews, uh, press conferences, documentaries, and translating all of that content from English into Chinese, so that they can post it on Chinese social media platforms. For all of the Chinese to watch it, and what I learned was that you know you think like being responsible for Manchester United television for all Chinese audiences is like a large thing, but it's essentially a team of four or five people, right? And if you think about how many fans they have, how many followers they have, to me it's pretty incredible. And I was, I remember doing it. I was like, oh my god, this is a lot of responsibility. I can't make a single mistake. But of course, I made mistakes, and of course, the fans always comment on it. You know, when you do something right, they don't ever say anything. But the moment you like mistranslate one thing, it's like twelve comments. So that was fun. I did that for a while. I end up having a chance to meet um, actually the first soccer player that I that I like, uh, Dwight York. So I started watching Manchester United in 1998-99. That was the year we won the treble, and our top goal scorer was Dwight York. And I had a chance to meet him at, at a fan fest. So that was a lot of fun. I did that for about uh, almost a year. Then I was recruited by my former boss and my mentor, uh, Professor Larry Smith, to work as a researcher in startup in startup department at the University of Waterloo. And essentially, my job is to help Waterloo students be better. You know, a lot of the focus is on the starting their entrepreneurial ventures, but we also helps to want to. And I've been there since 2018. I think 
I think I'm aware that I'm really enjoy about 80% of my, and I don't take that for granted. Recently, my boss had stepped down and I guess I'm just slowly trying to cope with the reality that he's no longer mine. He's still, he's not dead. He's not retired and I can still talk to him. Um, but it's just kind of weird. You know, that's kind of my, that's kind of my life leading up to now in terms of a hobby. I like running. I like boxing. We're going to talk a lot about reading, so I won't get into that too much. Uh, but I'm also a pretty big, um, I guess you call me a, a sports history nerd. So sometimes my, my friends would be like, hey, Kevin, are you watching the fight right now? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm watching a, a fight. From, or it'd be the same for soccer. Right? I watch a random YouTube game or a game on YouTube. So that's that's kind of the... Well, you're definitely one of the more uh, unique uh individuals we've had on the show so far. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned um, sports history as one of your interests because I'm personally the complete opposite. Like, uh, so I'm I'm really into Formula One and I got into Formula One when the first Indian Grand Prix happened in 2011. And obviously Formula One comes with its own history and all of that. And I could care less about it. I, like I could care less about Nikki Lara and Michael Schumacher. But like whatever is happening currently is what interests me. So it's it's a very interesting and a different take on sort of like the same main vertical of interest of hobby. Okay. Uh, so should we should we get uh, started on the topic for today? Uh, okay. Uh, let me see what the first. Yeah. So so let let's get started with how did you get into the habit of get into the hobby of reading and what were some of the earliest books that you read. Yeah, no, you're really good at coming up with these questions. I was seeing it yesterday. I was like, damn, these are questions exactly the ones I want to answer. Um, <laughs> so I thought about it, actually, and I, and I jot down a few notes. Um, uh-huh. I think the first book that really got me, like, you know, a lot of readers, they say they start at a young age. Like, you know, take Margaret Atwood, right? Like, she basically, she wrote her first book when she was seven, and she was reading, like, long before that. And I'm not comparing myself to Atwood, but a lot of them start young. I started pretty late, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the first book that got me interested in reading was uh, Catching the Rye. And we oh, had wow. to read it. Like, you guys are familiar with it? Catching the Rye? Yeah. So I, I had to read it for English, and typically... I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, you, you Google the notes, sparking notes or whatever. But I, as I started reading that, I got into it. So that was one that I was like, huh, reading isn't so bad. And then I read another book for English, Brave New World, which is also pretty. But the one that really got me into it uh, was probably when I was 17. And it was a book that was given to me as a birthday gift. It's Andrews and Dee by Dan Brown. Oh, that's a classic. I mean, it's not, a, people won't consider it a classic, but it's a classic for me. <laughs> I've enjoyed it as well. It's uh, it is a classic. I, I would agree with you, Anak. Um, it's back then at seventeen. I was really into physics, and the first mm-hmm. couple of had to do with an assassin using yeah. somebody's eyeball to access a lab to steal antimatter. I was like, this is awesome. So I just started, <laughs> it and I, I remember it was in the summer. It was during summer break, and my friends were like, "Hey, do you want to play basketball?" I was like, "No, I think I'm I'm gonna read the book." So I think that's the one that really hooked me. Mm-hmm. Um, then after high school, I started reading a lot of nonfiction and a lot of, uh, I think what you would categorize as productivity type of, uh, so I remember reading Carol Dweck's, uh, mindset that was a, pr- and then for a while, I'm a pretty big fan of Malcolm Badwell. Mm-hmm. I liked his blink and outliers. Um, but what really hooked me was, was, a, a book on North Korea called nothing. So it's essentially a book about six different North Korean cities and how they navigate our system. And I think all of them ended up defecting North Korea. That's why the book was able to be written. Published. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, their family would be toast, right? But I, I remember reading that book, and I think that was the first book that I stayed up until 3 a.m. I was like, I couldn't put it down. And once I'm done with it, I was just so wired, I couldn't go back to So I think Catherine the Rice started it, and then Angels and Demons kind of made me like a semi-casual reader uh, and nothing to envy, really. Um, so how old were you when you read Catching in the Dry for school? I think I was 16, grade 10. I was... Yeah, that's... Uh, what about... When did you read? So, from, so I haven't actually completed reading Catching in the Dry. I probably would have started it and I got overwhelmed and just left it. But uh, contrary to you, I started reading very, very early. Like I remember I was in the second grade 
and I'd gone to this sort of hill station in the city of Kodaikanal in India. And there was this really old guest house and in their library, they had this really dusty book of uh, Enid Blyton called uh, The Famous Five. Uh, it's a series of 21 books for children. And I started reading that and I got really hooked to it. And then second, third, fourth grade, I used to read mostly Enid Blyton novels. And then in middle school, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I shifted schools and I was mostly an introvert. So I had no friends in the bus. So while in the school bus, when people would chat with each other, I had no one to chit chat. So I would sit alone by myself and finish a book every single day. So at that time, I was really into Hardy Boys, Franklin W. Dixon. This went on to like eighth or ninth standard. And that was also around the time I, I read uh, Angels and Demons. And I, mm-hmm. like you, I, I remember how gripping it was because that book, I continued reading. Like I would sit at the last desk in school while classes were going on and I would continue reading it. There was like a assembly in the Great Hall. I'd go there and sneak that book in and read it because it was so gripping. But after that, once I moved to undergrad, I completely gave up on reading. Like I haven't, I don't think I've read a single book from 2012 to 2000, I want to say 17 or 18. Yeah, I mean, I would would, uh, like read book summaries of books that were like, you know, really popular or I did a minor in history. So they made us read a lot of, uh, you know, books. Uh, I read the Hitler biography and a couple of others. But beyond that, like if I could get away with it, I didn't read anything. And now I started realizing the importance of non-fiction books like you would have seen before undergrad all the books i read were fiction and post undergrad i've started reading fiction non-fiction books because i realized you know it's someone's entire lifetime worth of learning sort of summarized into a book for me to kind of that's where i'm at uh yeah when we dive deeper into this discussion i'll, I'll get back to like my stance on fiction versus uh <laughs> <laughs> I think your story is like word to word exactly how mine is. Um, I started reading really young, very young. I used to go for swimming classes. I think I mentioned this in one of my other podcasts. I used to love swimming as a child and I used to go for these swimming classes. And I still remember after the swimming classes, once you know, you're taking like a shower and like you like were eating something and there was this library where we used to go and like do our homework, me and my brother. But then that homework really just kind of vanished and we used to just, just roam around the library to yeah, two little kids in like second grade. I was in second grade or third grade, I think at that time. And yeah, I think like the first set of books that I picked up was very similar to Anna's, The Unenlightened, um, Famous Five, Secret Seven books. And I remember as a child, like a young girl, there's this set of books, The Mallory Towers. It's a very girly, uh, like girls in a particular boarding school kind of situation so I was kind of hooked to that and then I think the next set of books were the same as again um Nancy Drew and um Hardy Boys uh, very similar to Anand again and then I went up to um Harry Potter or Percy Jackson mm. and so it's been like very core fiction for me yeah. and um then when I joined undergrad or I think from like Sorry, in 11th and 12th, I got more into uh, novels, Sidney Sheldon, the Agatha Christie's, mm-hmm. Robin Cook. So I used to really, love, so I think my genre is more of crime, mystery and thriller. And that's what I kind of stuck to. And once undergrad started, I, I think I just stopped, like my habit of reading completely stopped. And ever since that till today, I haven't picked up a single book. I'm still in the undergrad phase for like in my defense, yeah. but um it's been probably like four, four, five years since I've picked the book up. And I remember when Kevin, like, I remember when you had started this entire concept of, you know, like trying to have a book club. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, this is my time to, you know, get started. But for some reason, I was just not able to get back into track and get back into the reading habit. And I hope we can kind of like discover why and <laughs> help me to get back. You know, it's interesting because uh, I almost forgot uh, you mentioned uh, Sydney Sheldon, right? Um, yeah. I think I- I'm Googling it now. Nothing Lasts Forever was the only one book I read. And I stayed up again all night reading because it it's just so gripping. You it's read right it there. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my book here. I don't know if you can see, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 
No, you, you like reading. You both like reading. I think maybe there's some hope to reignite it. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I, it's, I think it's a habit that never dies. It's, it's just about like where you are in life, what you want to read, the time you have, uh, how much you can commit to it. And I think that's how you probably build on, build on bringing that habit back. Okay. So, uh, Kevin, you mentioned a bunch of books that you know, throughout that got you hooked into reading. But what are some more recent books or your all-time favorites in the fiction and non-fiction? Wow. Because when you sent me the question, it wasn't about all-time favorites. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna. If you can, you can answer. So typically, uh, you know, this is the thing with people. Like, if you ask them what their all-time favorite book, movie, song, etc., is, it's harder for them to answer. So I just reframe it to what is a book that you've read recently that you that is easier. So I mean, you can frame the question. Choose whichever of the two questions you find more comfortable and answer that. Yeah. I'm joking with you. Right? <laughs> if you ask what my all-time favorite, I'll probably be here for three hours, right? <laughs> um, some recent ones I read and really enjoyed, uh, Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. I think so happy. That's also the one that people chose book club discussion next week. And I just can't wait to hear what about it. Because to me, that is a young adult fiction that isn't that isn't so young that it's like high school. Young adults who are working and living. And I think it's a little bit more age. So I can't wait to hear what to say about that. When I read it, I cried. I laughed. It's hilarious. It's not just like your typical type of comedy. There's so much wit. There's so much vulnerability. There's so much emotion packed in. Sometimes it's still paragraph. And I'm just like highlighting it. And I'm thinking, wait a second, the one color doesn't even justify it. So I want to like box in certain words and things like that. So Yoke is one that I, it's probably my favorite fiction novel that I've read, right? And it's really a book about love, forgiveness, and, and family, right? And, and I think it's one that those themes are kind of themes that everyone, so needless to say, I'm super excited about it. I know I have my own little monologue that I want to give. <laughs> points I want to make but that's one um, another one I read recently enjoyed I think Anak you were trying to look into that uh, the latest Murakami a short story a first book, right yeah 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 have you read any uh, other works by Haruki I have not I the first time I have I, I mean she seems to be quite quite a reputed famous and popular author but for some reason the first time I heard of it was from you so I haven't uh, read any of them. What, what about you, Ashida? Have you heard of Murakami? Um, no, again, I think the first time I heard of it was through you. And I think one of the initial books that you recommended were from the Sothers. Yeah. yeah, Norwegian Wood. Norwegian uh, Wood. I yeah. yeah, so I think I'm probably the biggest Murakami fan uh, in our cohort. I hope I'm <laughs> wrong. I hope there's a bigger one. <laughs> We'd be best friends, right? But I read every single book that he's written that's translated. So needless to say, I enjoy his short story collection. He's just really good at, you know, writing quirky stories using simple language. And when you're reading the guy, you're like, this is such a smart dude, the way he writes. Because there's certain perceptions that to capture. One of my, probably one of my favorite quotes of all time uh, in Norwegian, it's very simple. Don't feel sorry for yourself, you asshole. And you're like, I'm never going to forget this, right? Even though it's not from... <laughs> From the main character. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this or read this somewhere. Or I think it was in one of the discussion channels and Discord when we were talking about it. And I remember reading this and I'm like, hey, this is so true yet not so um, preachy in a way. It like literally is on your face. Like this is a great set of advice, which is there, which you can relate to. I remember this. So those two are probably the one that I enjoy most. In terms of nonfiction, there's so many books I want to read. I just haven't had a chance to. You know, I, I prepared for our session, so I, I have a few, you know, beside me. <laughs> this one right here is about uh, Hungarian soccer history, right? Mm -hmm. And I bought this in 2019. I never opened it because I know I'm going to re rate this book either 4.5 out of 5 or 5 out of 5. It's written by my favorite uh, soccer history writer, and it's on the topic that I've been Googling since before there was Google. You know, I've... You know, I've, I've been trying to learn about Hungarian soccer history since before I was, before I was, uh, I think in middle, right? Wow, that's a very specific uh, thing to be interested about. That's actually quite interesting. Yeah. Hungarian soccer history. Yeah, no, but there, like all these tales, like for example, there was a manager named uh, Bela Gutman. He's like the Mourinho before Mourinho. 
And when he was sacked by a team called Benfica, he placed a curse on the club. So he got sacked in the 1960s and he said, you know, you sack me, you're not going to win another European title in 100 years. And he was the last one who won Benfica, the Champions League. And since then, I think Benfica made like five or six European finals. They never won it. And it's like every time they got to the finals, like, oh my God, the Bella Gutman curse, the Bella Gutman curse. And, you know, I'm going to read more about it in this book. I just haven't opened it because I want to save it for maybe when the NBA starts, when it gets really, <laughs> when it gets really hectic and I need, um, I need some way to recharge. Maybe that's when I'll. That, that's another uh, difference of how you and I look at things, Kevin, because in my opinion, if there's something that I want to savor, I would want to keep it for that part of my life when I'm, you know, completely free and stress-free. And if it, if it comes when I'm extremely pressed and not in the right frame of mind, I feel that it'll mar my experience. So again, that's a very uh, different way of looking at things. So how do you recharge then? What's your way of recharging? Uh, so my way of recharging is doing things that I do enjoy, but those are more... Uh, I want to say repeatable in the sense, you know, uh, having a good good meal, for example, or just, you know, watching the same piece of media again, where I know that I can recreate this as many times as I want, rather than, you know, saving this one book, which once I'm done reading, then I can't, can't use that as, you know, as, as something to recharge. That yeah, no, I think I do that too. Like, there are certain movies you watch like five times. I mean, you had an episode on why people watch Friends over and over. Same concept. Same concept. But we want that certainty, right? We just don't want to have to, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, moving on. So uh, you mentioned that you have other hobbies as well. You like running and um, you like following sports history, watching uh, matches, and mm-hmm. you spend a good amount of time reading. So... Yeah. And I'm sure there are other possible hobbies and other possible activities that you could do that take up because I'm, I'm assuming reading takes up the amount of books that you manage to read in a month or a week. I'm sure you spend a lot of time doing it, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. So, I do. I'm kind of a slow reader. Like there are some people that turn out, uh, they finish a book every week or every three days. And like, I know I'm really slow. No, but so uh, why do you choose to spend so much time reading? Like what is the value or the benefit that you get out of it personally that you choose to do so much of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think I just enjoy reading good. um, I think I like the activity of reading. I also like the idea. And to me, like there's no higher or lower in terms of entertainment, but to me, I I read and the time that I sacrifice is Netflix. So I, I don't watch, I watch maybe one show every three, four months. Like, I don't think I've opened Netflix in the last two months. So I, it's really hard for me to chill when watching Netflix. Like, I don't enjoy binging. Just like sitting there for three hours watching, like physically I'm uncomfortable. Like, that's just, you know, that's just me, right? I don't think I'm alone. Like, I, I think a lot of people, they either feel guilty about it or whatever. But I don't judge. I think there's nothing wrong. To me, there's no difference between between reading uh, Hungarian soccer and watching a show on Netflix. Right? I just enjoy reading Netflix. And I enjoy it because I think like even the idea of it, you know, when it's 9 p.m., I've had a long day. I enjoy putting on some jazz music, read what I want to read and enjoy a glass of this. And like, that, that's what's going to relax me. That's why Anaka asked uh, how you recharge, because that's how I recharge. That's like the surest way that I know I would be. So many Saturday mornings, I would just go to the bookstore, get a cup of coffee and read what I want to read. Like sometimes it could be a sports magazine, like the Ring magazine. Sometimes it could be short stories from the New Yorker uh, or from the Paris Review. But I just read whatever I fancy that morning. And then I feel like that's my Saturday bliss. Uh, so I guess I, I choose to spend my time reading because that's really my way of recharging. It's kind of therapeutic. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Uh, so the reason why I don't like reading as a form of recharging is because maybe I take reading too seriously and you know, every time I'm reading something, I want to make sure that I'm retaining it, I'm highlighting it, I'm making notes, and I make it up to, maybe I make it up to be more of a, you know, task than it needs awesome. to be. And like, obviously, when I'm watching Netflix, I'm not making notes of what is being said, even <laughs> if I'm watching something like Explained or some sort of docu yeah. documentary. So, uh, so maybe that, that is the difference why, because of which um, I'm not able to enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, yeah, I'm not. Sorry, you... if I may add, you know, you know, you mentioned like we're different in a lot of ways, but in yeah. this regard, I think we're actually exactly the same. Like you are absolutely right. Like reading takes effort. So yeah. last night I was trying to read um, a nonfiction. I was trying to read uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand. Really hard to read. And I had KFC. So all the blood is in my stomach and I'm reading. I'm, I'm super slow. I'm understanding. That. So you're absolutely right. It takes effort. Um, so it doesn't always do the recharge for me. So what I ended up doing was I put that aside. Instead, read a, um, I read the Ring magazine. I read sports. It still takes effort, but it's not as hard as perhaps. No, true. Kevin, you mentioned that you use it as a way of unwinding and relaxing. And I mean, to some extent, we agree on that in terms of especially like nonfiction books. Uh, for, for fiction books, nonfiction can sometimes be... Uh, like, for example, compared to just mindlessly consuming a YouTube video, I think reading a nonfiction book is definitely uh, more involved. But beyond mm -hmm. that, uh, so for for basically just anyone, wh why do you think coming to the core, the the, the title of our episode, uh, why do you think reading is such an important habit for everyone to inculcate? Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, I, I don't know if it's important. Um, I, I don't know if it's for me to tell people what they should be doing. Um, I can only speak from my own experience. Some tangible benefits I got from reading, like both fiction and nonfiction, especially fiction, actually. I think I'm better able to understand emotions and how people make tough decisions, right? And I especially enjoy reading, like, coming of age type of, like, how people grew. How did they deal with difficult dilemmas? Um, and sometimes I'm, I'm able to get inspiration from nonfiction and fiction, right? So that's another one. So for example, um, I think a, a few years ago, I was reading Churchill's autobiography, his earlier uh, autobiography. And he, when he was spending time in India during that, he noticed himself just how much knowledge he lacked. So he started reading four to five hours a day. And he'd read everything from uh, philosophy, economics, and literature. And he'd ask his mother, like, every month, send me new books. And that's how he developed his, I think, what, what does he call it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. He calls that uh, his, his lifelong adoration of literature, his splendid romance. I, I'm reading from the list. <laughs> um, and for him, it was a marathon of self-education. So I think I, that's another benefit, like, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, Anak. It feeds like mindless consumption of media. But to me, I just read for entertainment. And, and I think it's, this is especially true with fiction. I also read for how other people tell their stories, right? Because I think as MBA students, if we want to be future leaders and influence us, using stories is extremely important. And I actually observed this from my own boss who taught economics for 40 years at Waterloo. So he had this class uh, intro to, I think, macroeconomics. He had it every Wednesday or Thursday from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. University students, they don't like late night classes. You know, I think we can all relate. He would pack the classroom though. He'd have 110% attendance. Like people who are not in his session or section, they would actually dish their own professor and, coming to, uh, and come to his class. Why? Because he doesn't teach. He teaches the stuff by telling stories. And his students, like 30 years later, they still, they run into him on Bay Street. They still remember uh, him and some of the lectures. But also, he also worked as a consultant. And I remember him telling me a story about how he landed a, a, a huge, juicy account from one of the five big banks. And the way he did it was at a conference, he made a presentation. But unlike traditional economics presentations where you have a lot of numbers and statistics, he had a narrative. So he had a story arc. He had a beginning, he had a middle, he had a climax, he had a hero, he had an anti-hero. And those decision makers are like, okay, we want this guy. So next time doing this consulting project, they actually handpicked him, even though he was a junior person at the time. So they handpicked him, they said, make sure Larry Smith comes to deliver. So I think that's another benefit that I'm only beginning to appreciate, which is that if you want to be influential, telling stories really helps because it forces you to speak in concrete terms instead of saying things like maximizing shareholder value or you know being the best in um, customer service or whatever. It's just meaningless jargon. And I think the, the very structure of the stories doesn't matter what it is. But the fact you're telling a story, the structure of the story 
as doing the heavy lifting. So the, those are some of the benefits. But I guess the biggest one for me is I just I just really like it. I can't tell other people, but you know, one of my regrets is I didn't get into reading about history a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandpa he taught the history of communism at uh, the Harbin Institute of Texas, HIT, like the MIT of China, right? So he taught that. He loves history. And I, I think I started loving it too late because he passed away in 2013. And if I started five years earlier, all the things I want to talk about, like the history of communism in Yugoslavia, East Germany, Cuba, he'd been the perfect person, right? And the two of us, we would be drink, we, we would just have a dish of peanuts and we'd be drinking like you know, Chinese liquor for five hours and just talking. And I can just imagine for my grandma, she would have loved it. And I think I would have enjoyed it. And how do I know? Because I had a chance to talk about Yugoslavia with my boss, right? Who, who knows the economics of communist Yugoslavia at the time. So it's like, wow, if we enjoy this conversation this much, I can only imagine how much I would enjoy having the conversation. And the same logic applies to others. Like it could be that people you've never even met uh, and because of whatever you've read, that you're able to have such a fun conversation instead of just a routine, you know, weather talk. True, true. And I mean, adding to your point about history, this is something that I was thinking late last night when I was reading uh, a James Bond novel that was, I think, written in the, the 40s and after the First World War. And what I realized was that if you want to consume media, media created in that era, books, the written form is the only thing that existed at that point of time. Like any movies or TV shows or music that's been created, even set in that time, it's kind of retroactively being created. If let's say there's a TV series, Downtown Abbey uh, or anything of that sort. But these books are period correct. Like it was actually written by the way they talk, the way they speak, you know, the way they choose to describe things, the jargon and slangs that they use. And it's just... And sort of like this amazing time capsule almost of, uh, you know, getting yourself transported there, which is so that, that was something cool about the written form, which any other media that did not exist at that point of time cannot achieve. And uh, the other thing I was thinking was that it's extremely immersive, like even though technically it's less immersive than, you know, watching a movie in an IMAX theater with like, you know, surround sound and everything else. I feel like because a little bit of it is my imagination in terms of how I think, I feel that it ends up being more uh, immersive. So those were two things which I feel make reading as opposed to other forms of media uh, different. I think wasn't uh, Sheldon Cooper in the Big Bang Theory, he was like the most powerful graphic chip, your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, that... Yeah, and and I mean this. So okay, let's let's now move to the the fiction versus nonfiction question. Like, is there a difference in the way you consume nonfiction books versus fiction books? You you alluded to it a little bit, but dive Yeah, like this is you know probably my favorite question because you're so observant, right? Is there a difference between how I read fiction versus nonfiction, like time of day, situation, whatever? Absolutely, right? So for me, um, I start my day by reading. Because if I read fiction, it's kind of like too relaxing. Um, so recently I've been reading The Art of War. I'll read like two or three pages in the morning. And before that, I was reading um, probably my favorite nonfiction book of the year. Actually, second, because Bad Blood was uh, Permission to Feel. I was reading that in the morning. And I and now I got to do the same thing, like highlight, make notes, all of that stuff, right? So it's kind of like studying in the morning, but not super, super formal. Like I'm not assigned a task right so read nonfiction in the morning sometimes i read uh the news or read the globe and mail the economist or um or the atlantic um i don't highlight those i just read on the screen um but i tend to read fiction um or i think what i will call entertaining nonfiction, like history soccer all that stuff i read those when i'm trying to relax right? so it could be like 8 or 9 p.m at night I'll read it with a drink, with some music in the background. I'll still highlight. I still read it carefully. That's why I'm such a slow reader. Like, you know, I talk to some of our classmates and they're like, oh, I finished 25% of the book in, in a day. I'm like, 
what? Yeah. How are you able to do that? <laughs> I read like 20, 30 pages a day. And like, that's how much I'm able to uh, absorb. Um, but yeah, if I get, if I really get into it, I'll read on, but usually I read like 40 of fiction. And uh, and do you, do you think, I mean, I don't even know if there's a point in asking this question anymore because you've gone over it a few times, but do you think reading fiction is a waste of time? Um, um well, both of you know the answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. It's like, you know, I'm coming from the point of view of hobbies. Who's to accuse someone's hobby of charging? You're trying to regain your mental. Um, so no, and to me, reading fiction is just like slightly more productive and you learn more. Not to say that you're not going to learn anything from Netflix, but I think the percentage of reading maybe is 70% into 30% on Netflix. Maybe it's slightly skewed towards entertainment. So I don't know. But, you know, I also thought about it like the like reading fiction is kind of like, right? And I think we all need that in a world that is very divided, distracted, these apps fighting for our um, So if reading fiction is food for the soul, then to me, reading nonfiction, especially the productivity of this type of, that's like working on your mental muscles to add new things, right? But if, okay, if we're going with those analogies, then you know what they say about working out apps are made in the kitchen it's your diet that matters so that's why i would argue if you ask me what to choose um, and I, I i'm not alone like there are plenty of uh, people that have said you know what i've read a lot of productivity a lot of those are just the same ideas absolutely accurate and wise but they're just expressed different by the different authors so i'm not actually getting out of it but reading fiction i'm actually more inspired even though the fiction um and especially because we're heading into the a we are going to business type of 100% nonfiction stuff, right? Um, so I think that's why I'm kind of saving books like these for um, for when school starts. So I can shift here and disappear in my fictional world for a couple of hours. Makes sense. And, and I feel in, in terms of like what you said, disappear in, in a fictional world, the, the how easily that is achievable with a fiction book, I don't think it's possible with like Netflix, for example, unless you spend like, you know, a bunch of hours just binge watching something before you kind of get transported into sort of that one. Whereas with a fiction book, I think it literally takes me 60 seconds and I get down with like two or three pages and I'm transported right there. Uh, so I... Sorry, and I think with uh, fiction, uh, what I've come to appreciate, a lot of the fiction writers, they're probably some of the people with the highest emotional, right? Like they're so smart at articulating. So they'll write things like... Um, you know, they'll verbalize many. I think we all understand, we've all felt before, but we just can't articulate. So I wrote down one example I just want to share. Um, mm-hmm. It's from Yoke. And the, the quote goes like this. I know what it's like to want to live, how it feels when the home you have is. But I know that wherever I am, June's around, I'll be okay. Even if she, because even when she, she loves me. And, you know, it's like quotes like these, stories like these, reminds me of why, because you read it and it's like, it's such an emotional relief. And you're able to appreciate just the art in the writing. For me, at least, I really appreciate the author who have such a such a great command. You know, like they can manipulate, play things. They, they can play with different ways of saying things in a way that really touches. So I, I just thought I'd share that, that because that's an example of why I don't think I can cut, to be honest. I think it's almost like a, like a mild, because it, it kind of pulls you in. And I think even when I get super, super, like, you know how some... Like I, I've read this, like some mothers in because they're so busy and they're so, they're also working. They'll just lock themselves in the washroom like five minutes because that's the only can quiet. I think if I end up like that, I'll take a book with, <laughs> I'll lock myself in the washroom because at least I can read one or two pages and maybe reread some of my most beautiful quotes, the, the quotes I've highlighted just to, you know, calm myself down so I can you know, deal with all the fires that all of us have. I have to ask one question, which has been the one book for y'all that has made you cry. Like, like I'm sure like there's either the first book or like the most memorable book that you've actually read and cried. I, I'm a crier. <laughs> so I cry pretty easily. I, actually, I, I cry for different reasons. Like, you know, sometimes you cry when your team wins. It's just like a tears of excitement, tears of joy, right? And sometimes you cry, but it breaks your heart. I'm like every three books, I'll cry. <laughs> and last one, Yoke made me cry. Like Yoke made me cry. You know, two pages ago, I'm highlighting and laughing at how witty the joke. And then two pages later, I'm crying. 
Yeah, I think I'm really like intrigued by this book, and I was like, while you were talking, I was just trying to find the book online somewhere. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like I, I think one reason I read and I didn't talk about it yet is because I want to feel those. You know, we go about our our daily lives, and we have a set routine. We go to work, all that stuff, social obligation, all that stuff. You know, sometimes you can feel like you're stuck, and I want to feel a lot of things that I'm. So I think sometimes reading is like shortest way. So that's why. As long as I'm, with, as long as I can relate character, I'll really try to understand, like feel what he. And sometimes it's weird, like you read a book once, twice, four times, you don't feel anything. I think that's why the book club is so much fun for me. You know, actually, you mentioned、um, Norwegian Wood right earlier. So when we did that discussion, we had three other people: Diksha, Diana, and Gonzalo. And I, that was the fifth time I read Nor. And those three classmates, they were able to share perspectives, and I'm, I never even considered this. And now I'm liking the book even, and I'm able to feel certain things that I've never felt, even though I've read the book. So to me, that's why I sound like I'm a big nerd talking about this. <laughs> But I think I'm really getting pulled into the story, and I'm, I'm a willing buyer, right? So if you're a good author, you're trying to convince me of something, you're trying to take me somewhere, both fiction and nonfiction. If you can craft a good story, I'll go with you on. But just be a good writer on that. Because there's nothing worse than starting a book and ugh, I'm not feeding it. As long as it's a good author, I'm, I'm willing to. What about you, Anag? <laughs> so again, contrary to Kevin, I actively try to avoid books and movies which will potentially make me cry. I like drama, tragedy, those kind of genres are definitely not the kind of things that I want to.、Uh, but one of the books that I was kind of forced into reading for again school was The Kite Runner. Reading that book, obviously, it's. it's Chock full、yeah. of tragedies and sad things happening, so you have to have zero empathy to not cry while reading it. But that was the only that made me cry. I think I cried、uh, at the quote for you a thousand times, and it was mentioned like in just that sense. What about you, Ashita? Did you cry over anything? <laughs> so,、um, as I said, like my reading has been most of my preteen years, teen years, so they were quite girly in a sense, not as mature.、Um, But yeah, I remember this one book, Eleanor and Park.、Um, it's 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 a very preteen kind of book about two youngsters, two very offbeat,、um, invisible to the world kind of youngsters who just kind of get together and it's their story of how they understand each other and eventually it turns into like how they fall in love. But then they also show the realities of like moving away and、um, it isn't cheesy in a way. But then I think so when I was like in seventh grade or eighth grade, I remember that was the first book that made me cry, and I remember like literally, and I was embarrassed, right? Like sitting at home, not embarrassed because I was crying, but embarrassed because my mom would see me reading a book and crying. And I was like, no, I cannot happen. Like that cannot happen. So I remember taking the book inside like the washroom and crying and bawling my eyes out because um yeah uh, it was I don't even know if it was just emotional or if it was just me. Getting into the book and you know, trying to be in the situation and see how it is, but yeah,、so、that did was actually fall off. Yeah,、the、they did fall off. <laughs> like I was crying proper. Yeah,、so、you're yeah. a stronger crier because I'm a I'm a tearer, right? So I was tear <laughs> up, but they would never like leave my my eyelashes would block them. Yeah, no, I think、um, yeah, I think. When I'm watching a movie, it's like that where I just like blink away my tears and like there's nothing. But then when it's books, then like I I let it flow. I'll 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 not resist. I think next time I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, I think you should just let it. <laughs> But it's it's funny. Like、uh, when I watch movies and I watch live action movies, I also tear up sometimes if it's like an emotional tragic. But I can never get myself to like really ball. You know, really let go. But every time I've seen a DreamWorks or a Disney movie, and I don't know how they managed to put in chock full of like tragic scenes. Like I remember,、uh, there's this movie called Inside Out. I don't know if you guys have seen it.、Uh, and that there's this. I mean, a it's anyway a fictional world. In the fictional world, there is a even more fictional character called Bong Bong, and he's like this weird, acute elephant sort of character. And in that movie, he sacrifices himself. For for something I don't even know what the plot is, but I remember crying, crying like literally bawling my eyes out. There was a girl sitting next to me, and she、yeah. she offered like I I went to see that movie alone, and that lady sitting next to me offered me a tissue. 
She's like, are you all right? <laughs> Because Wong Wong died in that movie. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an emotional movie as well. Yeah, like it's a great movie. Sorry, Kevin, you were saying. And now, do you cry uh, for F1 or cricket? When I do not. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not not that much of a crier, and I try to avoid investing myself emotionally into things to the extent that it gets me to those kind of emotions. Maybe I'm actively avoiding it. But with DreamWorks and these animated movies, they just kind of sucker punch you into like emotions. <laughs> like you know, you you don't know when it's going to come. And it happened with me in Toy Story. It happened with me in Cars. It happens with me in Monsters Inc. Like all of these. <laughs> animated movies and i've seen like live action movies about war and tragedy and people dying and immigrants being killed and that sort of a thing and absolutely no tears at all <laughs> that's yeah i think i'm definitely a crier like when man united wins i'll cry yeah. like, not every game right <laughs> if it's yeah. a big game against especially man city and if we win yeah. in a dramatic way i'll cry and i'll, I'll tear <laughs> up but i yeah. so i'm a, i'm a big cry that's uh Okay, let's let's get to the final question, which I think Akshita will really appreciate. Is uh, what advice <laughs> would you have for someone that's trying to build a habit of reading or is trying to get into? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been waiting for this the entire like. I feel like I was an audience and a listener this entire time, and now I'm like, yes, please give me tips. I think uh, don't force it, right? Because Anag, I think you mentioned uh, it shouldn't uh, be like a chore or a task. Exactly. I don't. And at this point, I feel like it is kind of like when I actively force myself to say that okay, I need to start reading, and I have to start, you know, get myself into that mind space of starting to read. Then it starts feeling like a chore. Mm-hmm. And I think we have discussed this in why the good habits in one. I think of course podcast pilot, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah our yeah. pilot episode. Um, and I had the same. This was like already two months ago, and I had the same problem. And now I'm still stuck at the same problem, where you know when I try to read, it's more that I'm telling myself to actively do it because I know it's good for me. But it's not something that's I'm not able to find the one perfect book where it's like in the first five minutes I'm sold. So I think that's where it lies. Yeah, I think it's kind of like uh, we all know we should eat broccoli. We don't want to eat it all. The time. <laughs> it's okay if we go to McDonald's, right? Like, come on, like the world is hard enough as it is. Let's not make our own recreation and entertainment like a to-do list, you know? Yeah, so yeah. we didn't get to talk about this, but I I'll start like seven different books, right? And sometimes I feel like reading one thing, I'll continue to read it. Uh, but I'm not somebody who will start a book and I have to feel, no. Like there are books I've started ten months ago. I'm still like. Slowly making my way through it because I see it as eating. If you don't want to eat it, eat something else, right? So I think Akshita, um, I don't know if I'm in a position to give advice, but I would just say um, if you want to start reading more, but then not do the hard work of actually reading, uh, then maybe try like a podcast or something uh, where you just listen to the story, so you can still reap the benefits of appreciating beauty and learning how to tell stories, but You don't have to like underline, make notes, and feel like this isn't a class. So with that, the the podcast I think pretty helpful to listen to. It. John Green's uh, Anthropocene. I don't know if familiar with.、It. I think I recommended to Deeksha. John Green's which book? Sorry. Ah,、uh, John Green's podcast and the podcast. Oh, name, the podcast. The Anthropocene, right? So he does. It's not fiction, right? He just tells two stories about two random things in his. But the way he tells the story, I, I just find it hard that we'll find that as a task. I think it's so enjoyable. So maybe do that.、Um, some people also try audiobook. So maybe that'll help. But I've tried it myself. It's it's not for me because I need my my pen. <laughs> I need to make notes in the margin. I need the physical like copy to truly the therapeutic.、Thing. Um, but overall, I just say don't force it. If you want any recommendation, message me. I'll I'll, I'll give you a few based on what you. For、uh, sure, right, <laughs> definitely. It, it should be an enjoyable. It's not a task, but it should be an. All right. Yeah, I think that that can make sense, and I'm definitely coming to you for suggestions. I think you're like the best person to go to. So yeah. Okay, so、uh, Kevin, you mentioned that you know you sometimes start books and you take your time with them, but but do you think it's it's okay if you start a book and you go through like the first or three pages and you realize that you know it's not. It's not a good book, or you don't want to read it. Is it okay to like just leave books, abandon books, or、uh, ideally you should be finishing take on that?、Uh, so I'm on the side of reading as a hobby. It should be fun. Don't you know you only have like three hours recreation for yourself. So I'm on the camp of yeah, of course, 
if you don't want to read it after 20 pages, you don't have to read it. It's not an assignment. And I think that's actually pretty smart because, you know, if we think of our time as like sometimes a book just don't vibe with wife. I've done that myself. I don't feel too bad about it. I think I once heard somebody say on a podcast, that guy's rule is shifty because some books you do need to invest a little bit into get the so he will invest 50 pages. If after 50 pages, he's not sold, then that's not good, right? But recently I read a book, um, Clara and the Sun by a Nobel Prize winner, uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. It's 300 pages. I should have stopped after 50, but I stayed with it until 210. And that's when I started to get hooked. And I'm like, this is like exactly why I don't like this author because he always takes so long to get me hooked. Um, <laughs> So I guess the short answer is absolutely. If after 10, 15, 50 pages like it, you don't need to do it. Life is too short to have to do this stuff and too, too per in our recreation. And uh, okay, this is sort of like my personal question to you because uh, with nonfiction books, I've seen generally you you take any major nonfiction book, whether it's the ones that we recently talked about, Made to Stick or Elephant in the Brain or Atomic ha Habits. Generally, there's like one or maybe a handful of key concepts that could have very easily been summarized in like a page or two that's kind of been stretched into an entire book with anecdotes and this and that. But when you're trying to kind of read it for the sake of, you know, getting to the takeaway or getting to like the meat of it, it's not too much. So then do you think, and this is basically just nonfiction books, do you think there's value in like going through the entire book or like we talked about time being a resource, you find like the Cliff Notes version of it and then, you know, just do that. And that that's enough. Like what's your That's, I especially don't like it when they start again, another psychology experiment they did in Stanford in 1980 yeah. and into the details of the subjects. And I was like, well, spare me the experiments, just give me the nugget. Yeah. So completely relatable. I think it depends. There are some YouTube channels. I think there's one guy that does like productivity books. He does mm -hmm. a video on a lot yeah. of those. Yeah. So sometimes I listen to it when I cook. Right? It's just like a short way of getting it. I think that's how I read The Atomic Habits and four things. Um, other books, nonfiction, I think I, I had to read like three or four times to really read. And again, not every page, not every concept, but there are certain ones like, say from made to stick, I'm still reading it almost like the fourth time because there's some things I want to learn um, to fully internalize. Similarly with uh, permission to feel, uh, I watched the guys talk many times and I always wanted him to write a book. He finally wrote it. I read it. I've underdone like crazy. I really enjoy it. But I think there's still things like, for example, how to help our friends when they're feeling low in. I'm still not really good at it. And the book talks about how to do it. So I picked up one or two tips, but sometimes I forget. So I feel like in those cases, I will go back. And Anag, I think this is where, for us, the underlining, right? The highlighting, I think that's that's helpful because we can mm -hmm. just go back and read the underlying parts or the parts where we triple stuff, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, there, there's no like one way, to, but I think it's as long as we're not feeling exhausted, that we're feeling like this core, then fiction or not, nothing is too yeah, because that, that, that's what's been frustrating for me reading nonfiction in the past few years. Because like, for example, even Elephant in the Brain, the first time I read like a Cliff Notes version of it, it was like a chapter by chapter summary. And then I went and read the entire book for our uh, book club. And I felt like it was an extreme waste of time because whatever was actually the things that I wanted to retain had already been covered in the chapter by chapter summary. And the rest of it was things that I was going to ignore anyways, because they were just sort of filling pages. And, but then if I just read a book summary or, you know, read a YouTube synopsis of it, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm missing out on something. So uh, yeah, it, it's hard to, you know, get, but, but you're right. Like for example, the four hour work week is a book that I recommend to everyone. And I don't think it has so many small nuggets built, built into it. It's, it's hard to kind of summarize it. If someone tries to summarize it, it's going to be missing out on a lot of things except for like the key concepts. So I think that's why if you gun to a head, ask me fiction or non-fiction, I'll probably go with fiction, but I'll probably scream a uh, good history books will do as well. <laughs> as long as it's a good story in that yeah. nothing is wasted because all the details. Yeah, the, on that point, I agree. Like there's absolutely no value in reading the synopsis of like a fictional book because you're not reading it to get the gist of it. You're reading it like with a fictional book. I feel like even if you read a few pages and you, you know, read a few scenes, 
that's still value enough. Whereas with nonfiction, you probably need to kind of read it end to end to get a better and cool. I think that wraps up this really long discussion. Uh, um, so so let's let's move to the final section, which is like a funny or insightful incident that's happened to you, or something insightful that you've read or consumed in the past week or month. Uh, I think the most insightful thing is from permission. I'm able to understand my own. And I, again, I recommended this our classmate because I think in MBA when it's stressful, a lot of times it isn't that we work hard and even that we're it's that we self sabotage our own. And I think a lot of that happens because we don't really have a good hand. Like I know for me, energy. If I'm low in energy, suffer. So when I'm taking a break to myself, it sounds like an excuse, but I know if I don't recharge myself, then I'm I'm just wasting time study. I'm not physically. I'm there. Mentally, I'm trying to. But emotionally, right? So I think that's the one insightful thing is. And again, I have to reread the book. But the one thing I took, you try to gauge your own how you're feeling at the moment by your energy level and your pleasant, right? So right now, I think my pleasantness about a six out of ten, and my energy level is five out of ten. So I will say I'm I'm quite content with our conversation. <laughs> so, but but that's before I read the book, I wouldn't have known if you asked me how you're feeling. I, right? So I think that's the one thing from that book I learned that how to gauge your, you can gauge how you're feeling it by your energy level and how pleasant. Very true. Uh, like sort of like the same concept when people talk about you know. You work a nine to five job, and then you work on something on the side, whether it's like a side uh, hustle, or, and people are always like, "I don't have the time." And I feel it's not about having the time because if you manage your schedule better, you can always squeeze in a few hours to do other things. It's the energy level and just like the the you know, men- I used to call it mental capacity. You can call it emotions, but you run out of that. So even if you have like a couple of hours. You don't have these two things in you to, you know, work on something else. If you know you've had a very tiring day, so yeah, I agree. Agree with you on that concept. Ah. So uh, yeah, I think wrapping up, uh, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. I think so. When we were populating a list of potential topics, when we wrote this this particular topic down, we knew that it had to be you, uh, yeah. who, <laughs> who would have been the guest. In fact, me and Akshita would have been fairly disappointed you if you did not pick this topic. <laughs> it like it attracted you, like we didn't even <laughs> excite you. It was meant yeah. to be. And uh, but I mean, it it was it was a fun discussion. It was extremely. Uh, I I took away a lot of things. So thank you so much for that, Akshita. Do you have thank anything? You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, for me. it was more i mean more as a host or a co-host for this podcast i was a listener and an audience this entire session and i it honestly i was just telling on a like a while back um when we were switching between and i was just telling him how this has like really left me inspired to you know start reading again because the passion with which both of you all was speaking about like what books and the excitement that you feel when you're reading and the relaxed nature you feel that's what i miss and i don't know i feel very inspired now listening to kevin today and i'm definitely going to bother kevin a lot now just for recommendations on books and what should what should i read but yeah this was an amazing discussion i learned i really did learn a lot and i made like a list of all the books you all mentioned just yeah. you know to get more information about it so yeah. yes uh, thank you so much kevin i mean it was amazing to have you here thanks a lot thanks for uh, inviting me and you know i i've actually got like you know all these didn't get a chance to talk about but, uh you know thank thank you both for uh for listening es- essentially listening to me just get excited about i i wish i could um you know maybe i'll do like how what made the two of you start do okay uh i'll give my version of it in the next that you can you can add, add to it so uh i i wanted to find a systematic way of reaching out to you know other classmates from our cohort at the same time i also wanted to start so i've been consuming a lot of podcasts of you know this sort of nature this sort of topics and what i like about them is that you know it they act as a stimulus for you to start thinking about these things and these ideas because all of these are sort of in your periphery but you never really get a chance to talk about them and what i wanted to do was talk about them with my potential classmates so like it it just seemed like killing two birds with one stone uh uh and as sukriti will kill me but 
the original idea i actually had was starting a humans of rockman instagram page <laughs> oh <really? laughs> because uh in fact in fact i've i've uh, done that at my previous grad school if you if you search uh, i did a series called humans of fuqua for duke so i thought you know that would extend really well for for rockman as well and doing doing it virtually <laughs> and I, in fact in my notion i have like a mock logo and everything designed for it as well but then Gosh. at the same time i was trying to also start a podcast with yeah. uh, my roommate from duke and we would just you know chat between the two of us but then i was like maybe i should merge these two things and come up with <laughs> like what eventually became the y coordinate and uh, in terms and i didn't want to do it alone because i feel like uh, just me talking with other people might might get boring and i wanted someone that had better uh, was more interesting than i was so at that point of time akshita i was i started seeing akshita and she seemed extremely enthusiastic extremely interesting uh, so i reached out to her and she graciously agreed and now akshita can give her version of like what her was your version actually <laughs> no yeah i still remember we were just like anang and i was just casually catching up on one of our monthly catch ups and <laughs> he just he just mentioned that this is an idea he has and like he was looking to see if i'd be interested and i mean initially i said yes and then i told him wait let, let me just think i mean this is a big commitment right like having a podcast and like making it last for months and probably years we don't know how it's going to go but yeah and then i said wait let me think of it and then i thought that this is this is something definitely out of my comfort zone i i'm a very social person but when it comes to speaking to someone who i've not met before and speaking about topics that i might not resonate with is it's, it's like an elocution right it's basically like you're coming and you're just sharing your thoughts and your stories so it was it was something out of my comfort zone and i like the fact that you know anag actually thought of me enough to actually approach me and then i thought that this is a great way for me to meet my peers as well and kind of get into that entire comfortable phase of speaking to people and networking and since i haven't really been networking ever before in my life this was like a great way for me to start it and yeah then when it came to like actually thinking of the topics and everything i realized that we have spoken about literally the randomest and the widest of all topics from tiktok to you know how communities differ in western to eastern communities to habits to friends to relationships and it's amazing it it makes you it 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 shows you there's so much perspective around and i think that's something that i really like about this podcast so that's why i'm every time i'm very interested in it and even today like there were so many things i never knew just like every podcast that i do so it's amazing it's like a new learning every day it's a nice name too i got to say <laughs> the y coordinate who Did came you? up with it <laughs> i think anna you came up with it right like and i remember there was a first name i picked out of like the 20 options we had and yeah, we stuck with that you, you're the one who picked it i came up with like a bunch of things and all yeah, of them like i remember <laughs> that was the first one that caught my eye and i'm like hmm this sounds a little nerdy and cute and we both are very nerdy in that sense so let's what were some other it. ones what were some bad ones actually that you didn't like <laughs> oh we had a lot of um yeah i think we had a lot of cliched ones as well which were kind of like like the happy hour with akshita and anna kind of but then i mean we weren't really doing any happy hours and then we were like hey that kind of kills the point because if you're having a happy hour you want to do it together with a drink and then anna do you remember any yeah, other yeah i i opened the did the you pull up the list notion. yeah so the the yeah. three that we'd finalized as as finalists was the cheat code to life the y coordinate and the happy hour with anag and akshit and mm. yeah <laughs> so then we ended up going with no that. i'm glad that we chose this i mean <laughs> oh the others he seemed foreign now <laughs> No, it's yeah. uh, it's kind of cute, right? Like the why for a name, but why? Yeah. No, <laughs> no like yeah. honestly, like thank you both for uh for asking. I really enjoyed it, and I know it's like what one a.m. over there. Yeah. yeah. So thank you both for uh staying up and being so accommodating. With- yeah. No. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. Being here. Yeah. Well, okay. Hope you both have uh. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you, you complete what you're saying. I have just one final question for you. Well, I was gonna ask, you know, how late do you? It's one a.m. <laughs> so, 
Akshita, what time do you generally crash? I, I mean, I honestly, I, I can sleep at 10 p.m. I can sleep at 3 a.m. So for me, there's like, it just depends on when I'm waking up the next day and if I've slept like the previous properly. So it just kind of varies. So I knew like we have this podcast late today, so I kind of took a small nap just no. like a few <laughs> hours before it, like it's preparing, preparing for it. <laughs> right, of course. This is like uh, the the MBA cohort, also like. <laughs> structured and organized yeah yeah exactly i think anak just showed me his calendar today and like (laughs) we have a lot of podcasts lined up for the week and i think every week every day of this week we have like a podcast lined up and it was beautiful to see my calendar like filled up (laughs) my god Uh, how many do you do Uh, sometimes we do like so generally we started off with doing two a week so that like we could have one going on and one extra but then there was a phase where we did three four in a week and then there was first phase where we just didn't do anything for two three weeks so it kind of varies on how our our availabilities are and also our- good for you i hope i hope you guys will continue this and maybe even get a couple of professors to speak oh <laughs> that's yeah, that like a nice be- smart yeah. idea that that's something yeah that's like the next step for it <laughs> true 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 uh yeah all right kevin final final question uh who would you like to see on this podcast who would i like to see? i mean you've approached a lot of people that i work. i wonder if you can get a few chinese students mm-hmm. um have you guys approached the mason i think not. he goes by he goes by can you oh TN, no we haven't okay no yeah. we haven't um but yeah the the chinese students i think they're a little bit quieter maybe because of the time difference a lot of them in china would be kind of cool have more diverse sure. i think that's the that's the one name cool. okay, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. reach out to daniel we did we did do one episode with mohan uh mohan i don't know how his name i did the indianized pronunciation of her name but <laughs> mohan wong sorry i don't okay. know I... well meredith may be another uh good option i don't know I mean, depending on the topic. <laughs> All right, perfect. Yeah, I think we definitely. I like I like this new addition to the uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> that you have, Anab. I like it. You get some feedback. All right, I'm going to start stop uh, recording.